0: Hey folks, if you've been tuning in over the last couple of months to Two Man Advantage, you've heard all about the GameTime app and how it can save you some serious cash on last-minute tickets to sports, concerts, and all types of shows. Well, the campaign is coming to a close, so we want to finish strong, and so do you when it comes to getting great tickets at a great price. GameTime is hooking you up for the holidays with a $10 credit. Here's what to do. Download the GameTime app in the Google Play or App Store. Click on the My Tickets section of the app. Create an account. Then, under the Billings section, redeem code THEATHLETIC. Once again, that's the Athletic, all one word, for $10 off your first purchase. That's free money, people. Credit is only available to the first 1,000 people who redeem the code and it expires at the end of the year. That's December 31st, 2019. So make moves quick and score last-minute tickets. Hey everybody, Scott Burnside here. Edition of two-man advantage the final one of 2019 just frankly getting it under under the wire on new year's eve afternoon pierre lebrun you didn't <laughs> whenever i talk to you you're either packing up or just got home are your suitcases sitting next to you i know you were in florida for christmas you were in tampa did some bolt stuff uh did you take your coat off at least
1: Yeah, walked in a few minutes ago, my friend. Back home in Toronto, I got the New Year's Eve, Montreal, Carolina tilt on uh, TSN tonight in studio. Perfect way to uh, say goodbye to 2019.
0: Nice. Well, I I wanted to get right to something I know is uh, near and dear to your heart. So let's get right to it. Which NHLer do you feel was most snubbed when the All-Star teams were announced (laughs) this week? You you know, I'm showing I'm
1: showing my maturity. You know, now that I'm finally 47 years old, I was gonna go on a rant on Twitter like I do every year and mock all the fake (laughs) angst of the players not selected when you consider how little people pay attention to the actual all-star game. And I said, you know what? I'm just gonna take I'm just gonna take a pass. Honest to goodness. (laughs) Who gives a shit? <laughs> Honest to God, I'm sorry. I, I don't want to end the year with a swear word, but
0: it oh is so
1: <laughs> meaningless. Who gets picked for an all star game that so little people care about? I'm sorry. Yeah, now, I know. You, you know, listen. You know, Arp and Basu tweeted back at me recently when I said, "Who cares?" And he said, "He said the eight year old in me might have an issue with that." He's right. I mean, that yeah. Kids still get up for it. They want to see their team represented. I totally support that. But honest to goodness, for anyone to get upset, media-wise, about some of the selections,
0: like, come on. Like, honestly. I know. And... uh, i'm glad that you i you know it's good to it's good to take the high road but i'm glad to see that you haven't completely taken the high road so that's i feel good about that and so and just i it's i raised it me you know facetiously of course because i think you and i are of the same mind and i and i'm i'm not i'm going to st louis i, I i'm i will be there with our pal jeremy rutherford and uh um, I'm I'm looking forward to it. Actually, I was looking at the rosters and I was looking forward to, you know, catching up. I, I can't wait to see Eric Stahl. I'm really pleased for him, assuming he's going to go. But, you know, I'm really pleased for a guy like Eric Stahl, who has had a, 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 you know, has really had a nice bounce back year after several mm-hmm. bounce back years since going to Minnesota. Um, always love to see Marc-Andre Fleury and, you know, spend some time chatting with him. Um, you know, it's I, I, I look forward to that element of it. And it is... It, it there's always a nice positive buzz around it and there's it's a, to me it's that sort of it's it's that feeling of I don't know whether the calm before the storm before you you know the, you go right into you know that sort of after the all-star game it will be about a month before the trade deadline which is February 24th um, and then it's you're in it right like then you're in the playoff run all that kind of stuff so the all-star break always seems to me to be okay we're going to exhale here and and then go. So I, I look forward to it on that front. Um,
1: yeah, it'll be the first one I don't cover, I think, almost in my career. I, really? I pulled the shoot. finally. I, 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 as, as Brendan Shanahan, when he was still at the NHL, Brendan Shanahan was had helped sort of uh, give the All-Star Game a facelift, if you remember, with the at draft, first. right? The player draft, yeah. yeah. And the draft was fun and, until everyone got drunk during it. but. <laughs> Brandon Shannon once famously said to me, "I think it was at the All Star game in Ottawa." The, yes, the I year was the with time. you. Yeah, we and were standing said, outside. He said, "If you're going to hammer the All Star game every year, it's it's, it's, it's you know kind of hypocritical of you to show up for it every year." And he has a point. <laughs> he had a point. So,
0: <laughs> well, so finally, I'm pull, I'm
1: pulling the shoot on the event that I uh, pound into the ground every year. Uh, yes. Yeah, so,
0: anyway, I'm looking forward to, and I'm I'm disappointed that you won't be here. Like uh, last year in San Jose. Um, I mean, it's a good time. I know you and I have had memorable All-Star weekends. The one in Carolina, um, I can't. who knows what year that was, but was absolutely epic. Weather was great. The fans were crazy for it. And, of course, the All-Star game in Nashville, boy, that was, that was off the charts. Like, that really was, good. You know, people, yeah, and people for a while so that
1: gave it relevance that. again. Yeah. Yeah. And now it's uh, dumb again. So, yeah, there
0: it's, you go. it's it's funny. I was thinking about it before we started to tape today. I was trying to think if I could remember any single moment from any All Star game, and I can remember John Scott, of course. That was from the Nashville All Star weekend. Uh, I remember, people were enraged. John Scott was a writing candidate, and I believe he was was he, he was All Star MVP, if I'm not mistaken. But did score a beautiful bar down breakaway goal. That might be the only moment I could remember. Of all the All-Star games that I've uh, ever covered. And the only uh, the other thing I remember, it wasn't even at the All-Star game, but I remember Chris Pronger in Los Angeles crunching Justin Bieber into the boards in, in a mock heavy body check that created one of the great sports photos of of, of years uh, during a celebrity game. Do you remember that? We were in Staples Center. And, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. And that was... And I didn't even see it live. I was, just, I was standing downstairs at Staples when it happened, and then I saw the picture after. So, anyway. But, but uh, I think, you know,
1: all this, and, you know, people, some people criticizing Alex Ovechkin for pulling out. First of all, Alex Ovechkin has earned the right to do what the hell he wants. Okay? I mean, <laughs> honest to goodness. Like, he's been yeah. in a bunch of All-Star games. He has sold a game. Uh, he, he built an arena in downtown Washington. Uh, I mean, he's done so many things for the sport, not just in his home country, but around the world. Alex Ovechkin doesn't need to go to an All-Star game to justify anything. So for people that have a hard time with him skipping that because he he wants some rest, come on, get over yourselves.
0: Yeah, it's, I, I mean... You got me a... all fired up. See, you went into know, All-Star see... <laughs> and now I'm full of piss vinegar. Yeah. So you know what? I and so it's uh, It would be too simple for me to say, I guess I know how to push your buttons, but that might be part of it. Uh, but I'm with you on that. And I do, you know, listen, I get, it's a hard line for the NHL to, to straddle. Like for me, the thing that annoys me, yeah, and you know, what? Alex Ovechkin gets it. He's not going to go. He's going to have to sit out a game. Um, it's not going to hurt the Capitals, I don't think. They're the best team, certainly in the Metropolitan Division, and arguably the best team in the NHL. And our power rankings, actually, they're number one just ahead of St. Louis. Uh and and, and now I'm gonna go on a tangent, but can you imagine a St. Louis Chicago or St. Louis, Chicago, St. Louis, Washington, Stanley Cup final? Talk about talk about the big boys coming to play and, and the style of play. I think that would be that would be epic.
1: Yeah, there are our last two Stanley Cup champions, both uh very physical teams en route to you know, to winning their championships and, you know, sort of Asking the question: Is there more than one way to win a, a cup or not? Certainly, the Tampa Bay Lightning and the and the Toronto Maple Leafs are hoping to show everyone there's another way to win one. <laughs> if like, yes. uh, if they get in this year, by the way, if the Leafs and Lightning play in the first round, oh my god, what what would be the score every night of those games? Or do my you god. think? Or do you think deep down? it still ends up being a 3-2 game because it's the playoffs. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I think love the it's way fair they to, play, both those teams.
0: Well, no, I think it's fair to ask that question. And I i, I think it it would be fascinating to see and really... You know, maybe Florida has something to say about it. uh, But, I mean, I think I look today. I think they're 28th in the league in goals allowed per game. So, I see zero chance Florida can make it. Yeah, uh, Montreal would have to get going
1: again with all their injuries. but uh, Right, yeah. It's hard to count the Habs out. I mean, part of it is, you know, I do so many of their games on TSN. They are pesky. Like, even in the two losses in the state of Florida, you know, they just won't go away. They're like little cockroaches. So, I, I wouldn't count them out either.
0: Yeah. I, I would. I. I. I don't. I don't think they have the juice, and especially the, with, with Tampa and Toronto coming, mm-hmm. I, I just don't see that. There's a, you know, unless Philadelphia falls off, and and maybe there's a way to sneak into a second wild card spot. I still think it's going to be five teams from the Metro, three from the Atlantic, and that means that a good, uh, you know. A good uh, on many levels Florida team uh, will not be in unless they can correct their defensive and goaltending woes Uh, Buffalo honestly I just I see them as being virtually cooked already and now Jeff Skinner out for at least three weeks and I just I I don't see how Buffalo can find its way back in so it's going to be now do you you agree do you are you subscribing to the five from the Metro as a kind of given or do you do you think it evens itself out in the second half
1: I mean, I think it's the most probable scenario, but uh, I will allow for injuries dragging one of those metro teams down. Right? That's the one thing you can never predict, and and I right. still think you know the Flyers have been so impressive all year, but because they've been out the last few years, you have to allow for the for the you know the possibility that they're not quite as real as the other teams, right? So yeah. I think those are all scenarios there. But uh, listen, I, I'm with you. By the way, as we were <laughs> debating this All Star thing. Uh, Jeff, our, our producer, emailed us a tweet from uh, Helene Saint James, who covers the Red Wings, of course. Dylan Larkin on unpo- un- possibly being fan voted to the twenty twenty inch All Star Game. "Quote: Please don't vote. I like the days off more." End quote.
0: <laughs> you know what? I, I I saw that tweet too, and uh, I and, and again maybe because I'm I'm and I you know who who cares? I did find it mildly amusing that a guy on a team. I'm going to go and look now. I'm pretty sure their goal differential is minus 70. I, I, I think that's right. So bear bear with me while we're we're debating this. But I do think, you know, with all due respect to Dylan Larkin, maybe he's been, yeah, I think he's been to a couple All-Star games, whatever. A, a guy on a team that has a, yes, I was correct, minus 70 goal differential, I think you'd be happy to go anywhere where you were near real hockey players. So, I, you know, with all due respect to Dylan Larkin, uh, that's an excellent message for a team that is an absolute embarrassment. So, but, but, anyway. but,
1: well, they're not an embarrassment. Well, this is exactly... By the way, I, I will take you up on that. This is exactly what the doctor ordered for the Detroit Red Wings this year. Are you kidding me?
0: Yeah. Tankapalooza
1: yeah, is exactly say, uh, what that franchise of needs. Of
0: course. I'm not dis- You I'm need not to dis- finally that. draft in the top two, or at I, least the top I five. Com- I completely I mean, get it. But, uh, but that team with the way that team plays right now and that is part of the Tanka Palooza I completely get it and that team I, I, although it, now you've got me on a tangent if you're Steve Eiserman and you get the number 1 pick uh, do you automatically take uh, Alexis Lafreniere because he's he's that kind of guy Lafreniere uh, Lafreniere uh thank you is, I actually yeah anyway so or, or Quinton that. Byfield. Yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting. Yeah, You're but,
1: uh, hearing more and more debate now on, on the number one pick. And it'd be an interesting to see where, uh, you know, Bob McKenzie and Craig Button and our own Corey Prom and uh, the Athletic all end up at, you know, the, the, the draft experts on that one. Of course, you got the winger versus center debate, right? Yeah. Um, that that is fascinating to me. It, it's almost like you hope you're you hope you end up number two in that draft.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I was thinking even take more. Take the decision just out the, of your hands. Yeah, I was thinking more along the lines of. I mean, if there is, I mean, there are lots of holes on that Red Wing roster obviously but it's a team that completely needs to rebuild its blue line right like and I wonder you know again it's you know the same kind of you know I think you can ask the same kind of question of the New Jersey Devils um who will also be vying for yet another first overall pick um but the Devils like Detroit to me if you you know when you look how do you how do you rebuild how do you get back to where you need to get to there's lots of really interesting talented pieces for both the Devils and the Red Wings up front but the back end is is where you where you need to where you really need to pay attention and, and need to to um, yeah. Focus but on but I think
1: if it. you're Detroit, you've got interesting pieces up front, but you don't have a franchise player. Right. I mean, you got a chance. You know, uh, I think especially with Lafreniere, to sure. really change things in my mind. Who knows? We'll see. But I, I don't think you overthink that one.
0: Yeah. Good point. Um, that's got. I, I, we're gonna. I want to. I want to get back to. Maybe we'll do this in the second uh, part of our final podcast of 2019. I, I'm curious about your reflections on 19 and, and, and thinking ahead to 2020. But um, we mentioned Alexis Lafrenier. Uh Looks like he may have avoided a serious injury at the World Junior Championships. And mm-hmm. I, I, like, and I know that you you and your family spent some time in Florida over Christmas. Were you able to? Yeah, they have the games
1: of, on uh, NHL Network, so it was Network, nice to right, hear no, uh, Gordon Ray on the to... call, the TSN feed. It's awesome.
0: Yeah, I know, I know. It's 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 all great stuff. And the tournament, I, I I'm, you know, I'm not a huge World Junior guy. Like it, it's not part of my you know holiday routine, and uh, you know, I follow it closely but i'm not i'm not glued to the tv was it different being out of the country because in canada it's a it's it's a it, it's a holiday tradition like it really mm-hmm. is amazing for for listeners who are you know who follow it on twitter or whatever and don't live in canada it really is a different thing in canada i mean do you, is that overstating it L- listen to me american now telling me no it's
1: <laughs> it's a huge tradition for sure i mean people love it and and are glued to it um I, I, what, what's fascinating me, you know, as a hockey journalist, not as a fan, is is I love how the game has found more parity at the international level. Almost, yeah. almost a parallel of what we have in the NHL. But so many countries with a shot at it now, and 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 you know, the rebirth of the Czech program. You know, when I used to cover the men's world championship, the Czechs were the team to beat in the uh, late yeah. '90s, early 2000s. The Czech won a couple world titles while I was there. I'm talking about the NHL tournament in the spring and and then they had a real downfall with their program and now they seem to be on the uprise, which is great, In Germany some terrific prospects at this tournament. Uh, the Swiss aren't faring as well, but over the last several years the Swiss hockey program has, has really risen so it's, I, I just love seeing um, you know, the depth of international hockey has never been better uh, really. It really is it's not about the same two or three countries every year, and that's the most appealing aspect for me.
0: Do you do you think that that? Has, and I couldn't agree more with you. Um, it, Swedes have a really strong team, and uh, as always, do, in their case, yeah, right. But I mean, they went through a period too with their junior program, though, that there was a bit of a fallow period for them too. But um, do you think that that lessens the pressure on Team Canada when they go to like the, this year's tournament in uh, in the Czech Republic? Do you think it lessens the pressure on them? I always feel I always feel a little bit, sort of sad, and it, it reared its head. It's had a little bit this year with the mini controversy over do you take your helmet off for the, you know, after the Canada Russia game, and mm-hmm. you know, there's the always gap, stuff so. like that. The, was it, uh, yeah. uh, you know, throwing a medal into the stands after you, you know, all the stuff that's happened, not just to Canadian players, but it, it is. There's so much focus. Especially in Canada, and there's so much pressure. Um, you know, there's a Canadian player. Was it last year who was uh, bullied on social media after you know missing an opportunity uh, during the tournament? Like it's, mm-hmm. it, it, it does sometimes get a bit out of whack. And I wonder if the parity, if maybe that helps to mitigate some of that, or is it always just going to be gold or nothing f- for Team Canada, and and they'll be judged accordingly.
1: Yeah, it's uh, that's a tough question to answer, you know, because as much as I think there's too much pressure on these kids from a Canadian point of view, it's also the opportunity that these kids cherish growing up. They can't wait to have their shot at playing at the World Juniors. So it's sort of like you can't can you have one or the other? I don't know if you can. Right, one feeds into the other, and um, for all the negative moments that we've seen, I think the positives have certainly outweighed uh, them um, but I think part of the education that has to be out there not just for Canadian hockey fans but for American hockey fans and Russian hockey fans if you're gonna you know talk about some of the top countries is is just what we talked about the fact that you can't expect your team to win every year um, yeah. you know Finland won last year the Finns per capita are, are doing the best job of any country in the world right now producing players at an elite level right in terms of their population and what they're up to um, so I, I think as long as real hardcore hockey fans understand that it's not a rite of passage now that Canada should be in the gold medal game every year, then I think you, you have a more reasonable expectation of what's there. And at the end of the day, they're always going to be contenders, but it doesn't mean that, you know, you can easily get knocked out in the quarters of the semis. Now that's just the reality of the setup.
0: Yeah. Um, all right. So don't go away come right back and we'll uh, do the finale the final segment of our final podcast of 2019. Uh, and I got a couple of things I want to ask. Uh, I want to circle back on the injury thing because we I want to talk about Pittsburgh and anyway, don't go away. I know you won't. Take your coat off though. Make yourself comfortable. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually people just brush it off or blame themselves, saying things like I thought my fantasy football team would be better or Whatever happened to the Edmonton Oilers? But with Roman, it is easy to talk about it. With a real doctor who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. The doctor will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to getroman.com advantage and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be a tough tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it. Just go to getroman.com advantage to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping that's getromancom advantage for a free visit to get started Getroman.com/slashadvantage. advantage all right are you settled you get your feet up you feeling good now i thought that, you did very well in that first segment for a man who just got <coughs> off a plane and was up very early today i'm, I'm i was up at 5 a.m must- and you know you
1: know what it is when you know you got to be up at 5 a.m for a flight you, yeah, you don't that. sleep well. You kind of toss and turn and look at <laughs> yeah. your look at your phone to see if you missed the alarm. And in particular, I really could not afford to miss this flight, cause given that I have to be in studio tonight for a game. So I was <laughs> kind of pushing the envelope a bit, flying on the same day of uh, of the game. But yeah, I'm I'm gonna go for a little game day nap. That's what I'm gonna do this afternoon, oh. my friend.
0: Oh, good for you! Um, all right, so you, you were t- we were talking about uh, injuries and and some other things in the in and how they could impact the second half of the NHL season, which is fast upon us. And I thought it's an excellent point, especially given uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins, who you know I, I just don't I don't know that there's been enough attention on. How unbelievable the job Mike Sullivan is doing with that Penguins team! Amazing. As you and I are chatting here. Coming off yeah. a big win, another big win, but a, a win over Ottawa. They're plus 32 goal differential. They are have been hammered literally from day one with injuries and found out after uh the win against Ottawa that closes out their um part of the 2019 calendars. The the, the se- this part of the season that Jake Gensel will be out four to six months so you know do the math and if you're an optimistic sort I mean four months puts you pretty much the end of April you know Eastern Conference Final if you get that far I mean it's just it's just an absolute kick for a team that is in second place in the Metropolitan Division and really have I just it's to me it's so impressive what has gone on in Pittsburgh and a team that has sort of I think they've been you know they've been pushed into the shadows a little bit by what happened with Washington two years ago um, you know certainly uh, you know St Louis winning last year and it, I, maybe you'd feel differently but to me it's Pittsburgh it's like oh yeah Pittsburgh you know they get swept in the first round by the Islanders last year and I think it's I think the narrative has been oh the the window is closed for the Penguins but they just they have been so impressive to me the way they played under Mike Sullivan in in the face of all of this adversity and now they're hammered again with the with their with their top current sniper Jake Ensel gone for the rest of the regular season
1: yeah Mike Sullivan's done an unbelievable job in his staff and it's you know if you I always say I'm glad I don't vote on the Jack Adams because every year you can drum up at least a dozen candidates right that have some sure. measure of validity in the conversation but right now it'd be hard to argue that it's not between Mike Sullivan, Barry Trotz and I think Paul Maurice. Just the fact that the Jets, I know they're struggling of late, but that they've even been in the conversation given that they've completely redone their blue line with lesser options is a real, you know, feather in the cap of Paul Maurice. But Mike Sullivan and Barry Trotz, probably the one too in that conversation right now. And I know that this is where everyone gets upset because if you're a Washington fan, you're like, how come no one ever mentions Todd Reardon? You know, they're in first place. <laughs> if you're a Boston fan, you're like, you know, no cup, you know, no cup final hangover. How come Bruce Cassidy never gets any love? And Craig Berube, it's Stanley like cup- yeah. I'm I get it. But but those teams are expected to be good. And I'm, I'm just being a realist, which is that with all the injuries in Pittsburgh, you know, if you would have told someone before the season that they would have lost Malkin for a long stretch, Sidney Crosby for a long stretch, Latang at times, Justin Dolan Schultz at times. Yep. Yeah, and and now Jake Gensel uh, having another phenomenal season out for the rest of the regular season, you probably would have said, oh, well, that's too bad. They're, they're, they're an aging team anyway. I guess they're out. Well, no, they're actually threatening for the President's Trophy. So <laughs> yeah. Mike Sullivan has got to be a serious candidate uh, for the Jack Adams. And it's funny, right there with Barry Trotz, because you know the Islanders... Were simply put a team that universally were picked by a lot of people to regress this year, right? Nice little story last year. Nice job, Barry. But now reality. Well, no, they're right there. You know. So those two coaches for me are 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 doing unbelievable jobs.
0: Yeah, I would. uh, I you know, and and Todd Reardon's interesting because uh, you know they they, they've done a lot. They've, They've sort of changed them. I think they've learned a lot after what happened to them last year getting bounced in the first round by Carolina mm-hmm. in a dramatic series. Uh, and the guy for me, um, you know, Carolina, I think Rod Brindamore, uh, again, a little bit under the radar because, you know, they go to the Eastern Conference Final last year and, and the Kaniacs and all that kind of stuff. But what a challenge for Rod Brindamore this year to – you know, not, you know, that's a lot of that's emotion, right? I mean, you ride that crest of, you know, everyone hates us and makes some fun of us and Don Cherry, all that kind of stuff. But he has been able to, again, there was a team that I think a lot of people wondered, well, I don't know, even Rod Brindemore, I talked to him in Vancouver. He's like, I, you know, what do I do now? Right? I mean, now he's a sophomore coach. He can't just do exactly what he did last year. He's got to find new ways. And I, uh, to me, that has been impressive to watch mm-hmm. that team. Um, you know, it's going to end that. I just think the East is really... Washington is really good. Boston is really good. Um, but there's a lot of interesting sort of moving parts there. Carolina is one of them. You know, what happens with Toronto and Tampa is also going to... Um, it, it's going to be it's going to be fascinating in the second half. So, um, so and I want to so I want to segue from my discussion. Well, I should we should mention one yep, thing before
1: we go though, uh, since we mentioned the Penguins, it'll be interesting to me now, and I've not been given any an indication any the way yet because the news is so fresh. So, sure, haven't had time to make calls, but knowing Jim Rutherford like we know him, Scott. And yeah. now that Jake Gensel's $6 million a year deal is is essentially off the books until the playoffs when there are no books, right? I mean, there are, there is yep. no salary cap come playoff time. What do you make of that when it comes to the potential, perhaps, for uh, a GM who loves nothing more than to make trades, as it is, yes. never mind now yes. that he's got $6 million to play with. I have to assume, again, I haven't made any calls on this yet, but... I got to think between now and February 24th, there's an opportunity here for Jim Rutherford to add a piece where maybe he didn't have that option before because the Penguins have been juggling the cap all year. But when you're not getting a player back till the playoffs, that that creates flexibility, even though you hate missing the guy at the beginning with.
0: Yeah, well, it's interesting because there now are a couple of GMs in that same boat, right? I mean, we know, you know, pending any kind of update as we move along with Vladimir Tarasenko in St. Louis, uh, but uh, another GM there with Doug Armstrong in St. Louis who isn't afraid. To swing for the fences, you've got Jim Rutherford now. Maybe you know, depending on how it shakes out with, you know, with Gensel and now the potential to to make an ad there. Um, David Poyle's another GM now. Nashville's problems, uh, shockingly, are on the defensive side and in goal, um, as opposed to 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 the offensive side of things. But it, there are some very nervy GMs who might be in a position to be making some waves between now and February 24th. And, uh, you know, we've already seen, of course, Taylor Hall going to Arizona, but it, there are still some interesting potential pieces out there. So I'm with you. It it certainly sets up an interesting dynamic, you know, for the next two months uh, leading up to the trade deadline. All right. I wanted to ask you about Boston because they're another team. Again, (laughs) sort of, you know, you you don't forget about them. They're so good, right? They're, They're 10 points ahead of Toronto now. And, uh, the Atlantic Division. But that's another team that continues every week. It seems like someone else is hurt. You know, Charlie McAvoy's on the shelf now. And, and, and I, I think he's started to skate again. But, you know, he's been out. Tori Krug... Uh, you know go up and down the lineup for the Bruins and they continue to win but I was curious of what you thought of them because there is so little like there's no one breathing down their neck right the last couple years there's been a it's been you know they've been battling with Toronto maybe for home ice advantage for the first round there's been some dynamic there do you worry about Boston in the same way that we've have seen Washington in the past have and tampa last year frankly where maybe there's not incentive you know where's your urgency in the second half of the season when you when you know where you're gonna finish you know maybe you finish with the top seed in the east maybe you don't but you're gonna win your division do you worry about them in, in that sense because they're they've built such a cushion as we approach the midpoint of the season or do you think that's that's a non-story
1: well, I think the cushion's going to really be good for them because they're already an organization. Don Sweeney is, is all in on the load management science, Scotty, and, and I think it's going to afford the Bruins to rest some of their veterans if they can convince them uh, closer to the end of the regular season and, and really you know, take keep an eye on that. So I think that's going to be a great benefit. But the the risk, as we saw with Tampa last year, and, and you know, listen, the, don't take my word for it. The Lightning have talked about this, right? They... They developed some really bad habits late in the se- regular season last year. You know, they, they really became a sloppy defensive team but outscored their problems in March and while they were waiting for the real season to start. And it hurt them uh, come, come that first round against Columbus. So how do you avoid that? And I think that's part of the challenge for, for Bruce Cassidy and that staff. But who's kidding who? Whether it's Tampa winning 62 six games or Boston having a healthy lead right now, of course you'll take it. I, I don't care what the downside is. At the end of the day, when you can not have to worry about, you know, playing for your playoff lives and you can make big picture decisions all about having your roster in the best possible shape for the
0: playoffs. You're all in on that. It's it's just being smart about how you handle it. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. Um, all right, so we're just about the end of 2019. Um, what do you, do you have, when you think back on the last, year 2019 what's what comes to mind for you from from this league what uh what comes you know what what kind of memories are you taking away from 2019 and I will and I'll go first because this will give you a time to to contemplate that but, but when I think of 2019 I will always think of the first round of the playoffs and the fact that maybe I, I you know I don't know what you did but I was 0 for 8 in the first round last year That was 0 for 8 like I I did not pick one single first round correctly that's that's pretty amazing right i mean uh, so i think of that first round though and i think of and i think of all the things that had to happen a for that to go over eight which is pretty remarkable but just the things that happened in the first round and you know obviously tampa being swept by columbus is like I remember watching every single game going, I, I can't believe this is happening. And you were in, in person for at least a couple of those games, if I'm not mistaken. But that whole first round was so whack that, you know, Carolina in double overtime in Game 7, Justin Williams so involved, Mr. Game said Like, it was, it was unbelievable to see all of it unfold. The Vegas, that controversial end to the... Vegas San Jose first round series that was you couldn't have scripted right you couldn't even make that stuff up the stuff that happened in that series as a whole and certainly in game seven so that's that's what I think of when I think of 2019 I think that we may never see a first round like that but we can only hope that the drama and the the ups and downs will be at least partially replicated next April because it was it was a ton of fun and I don't mind going over 8. I, I own that. I'm wearing that.
1: <laughs> I think I didn't do picks last year, thank goodness, because I probably would have been 0 for 8. But <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> yeah, I've given up on the whole picks thing. But, um, you know, I, I think there's some recency bias. I just spent some time in Tampa and did a sit-down with Julian Breesbo of the Lightning. So I think Tampa comes to mind for sure. And they're so tired of talking about it. And I think they've done a pretty good job of turning the page. And, boy, boy is that team playing better now. Watch out. But... I will say, because I did have to ask him about it, one of the comments that really hit home for me from Julian Breezewell, because I asked him if he remembers what he did that night um, after they got swept in a rather shocking fashion. You're right, I covered the first two games in Tampa of that series and just couldn't believe what I was seeing. And Breezewell searched his mind for a moment, and his response that that's in the Q&A that, that we put out is that he just remembers being in a room with Steve Eisman that night and just remembers feeling hurt that he never got to win a cup with Steve Eisenman, you know, his boss who had built the team. And I thought that was very sentimental, you know, and a very raw uh, comment from, from you know, a young GM in Julian Breezeboy that a lot of people around the league don't know that well, right? And I think that was probably the best way that he could share how much that hurt. And it's not that the Lightning didn't think they could lose to the Columbus Blue Jackets. I mean, the Blue Jackets are arguably the hottest team going in to the playoffs from the Eastern side. But to be swept in that fashion is is just, you know, let's just be honest. It's embarrassing. And so not only is it the story I'll remember, along with the Blues winning the Cup, of course, but that's obvious and, and what it meant to that fan base that is so loyal. It's amazing. Just amazing to see the excitement in St. Louis. Um, I think I'll remember that. In terms of the Lightning, but not only because of what happened, but I'm so curious, Scotty, and I wrote about it here over the past week, but you can look at analytics and the numbers and wins and a lot. You can look at everything you want. I don't care about that stuff right now. The Tampa Bay Lightning story for this season is all emotional. It's about how those guys respond come April if if they get in. You'll know within the you know probably the first game opening night of the playoffs, right? I mean, you could say all you want about we've turned the page and there's parity in the league, and you know it's not that shocking. It's shocking when you win 62 games and then get embarrassed in four straight. And I am just so curious. And and all I can tell you, you know, I talked to Steven Stamkos last week. I love what I'm seeing in terms of body language and confidence. These guys really do look like they've turned the page. But I still say when the playoffs start that's when you get your answer. I'm just, I cannot wait to see what the Lightning look like come playoff time.
0: Yeah, Yeah, I'm with you. It, I, I'm already pumped for it. It, it. We're just about to, you know, I mean, because you sort of, you know, these are all the the road markers along the way on a season, right? I mean, the, the holiday break and the winter classic and then all-star, and now you're into it with the trade deadline and so on. But, yeah, I, I'm... And the first half has gone amazingly fast. It always seems to to do that, uh, but the second half always seems to be even more accelerated. So I'm, I'm with you. And, and I want to ask you then. This is you and I spent a lot of time this fall talking about the off-ice stuff, the ch- the changes in culture, and the the rather incredible things that have happened away from the the the, the game on the ice and the firing of Don Cherry and. Mike Babcock's dismissal and the kind of dominoes that fell after that in terms of Bill Peters and mm-hmm. Mark Crawford all of those kinds of things. Kim Aliu and his you know I I know it's a term we use uh, overuse but I I thought it was incredibly brave of him to come out and and to be so open to talk about what happened to him uh when Bill Peters was coaching him a decade ago in the in the minor pros and um I wonder if you it, it's it, I think we You know, we're going to look at these, what the NHL wants to do and their plan for, you know, zero tolerance for these kinds of things and the educational process and whether players will be willing to speak up. And I wonder if you imagine, you know, what, if when we have this conversation, all things being equal, a year from now, will we, will the game look different to us, do you think, given what's happened, um, away from the ice, the, the, the cultural change that, that, we anticipate is going to happen and i think a lot of people expect and hope will happen do you think we'll see a change a year from now or it will it be too i, I, I do finger on?
1: yeah i don't know that it'll be that evident to the naked eye I what i'm hoping that will that will know will have happened over the course of time here is that some of the situations that have happened behind the scenes that we never knew about really to begin with right in terms of how players are treated so on that there will be a, a you know a, just a real healthy shift in attitudes and and day to day in terms of you know the the relationship between the people in power and the people who don't have it and and i think really that has to be the the greater good that can come out of what is you're right what was a very tumultuous opening of the season the first half uh, because of all this and i don't know if, if if i'm right about that and it sounds a bit naive but i'm certainly hopeful that we get that I don't know that it'll be that obvious to walk into every day and know from our perspective, right? Other than you hope that you hear fewer and fewer stories, um, you know, from from people stepping forward because it's not happening as much. I mean, that, I guess that would be my way I would answer that.
0: No, I think that's a. I think that's exactly right. I, I think, and I, you know, I think it's incumbent on all of us now to be really, you know, on this, you know, on the on the journalistic side to make. You know, to 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 be diligent about asking the right questions and 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 hopefully making sure that the league is as transparent as they seem to indicate they want to be on on making these things happen. And you, you know, it's. it's you get caught up in the day to day and the points and the races and all that kind of stuff but it, i think it's important now for us to make sure that we're asking these kinds of questions well what you know how do you how do you define success of what of this kind of plan are are people reaching out to you and hopefully the league will hold up their end of the bargain and and and, and share those stories and be transparent about whether it's doing what they hoped it would do so and again maybe that's me being naive but We'll see. Um, I should have mentioned we were talking about the uh, the Penguins. What's going on there? I'm I am always a huge fan of Sean Gentili, Rob Rossi, and Josh Yoey Our guys in uh, Pittsburgh, and they have a uh, podcast called Pen Ultimate. Do you know what? Like, I wonder how long it took all those people to come up with the names for our podcast. But I, and it just now occurred to me. I get it. Pen Ultimate. Which is actually the second last, right? I mean, the penultimate game is the second last game. So I wonder if they look know at me. you. But anyway, <laughs> look at me. I still don't know the blue. You know, Jeremy Rutherford and the ones they do in St. Louis. I still don't really get the the Blues' their name. That's going to. That's one of my goals. I'm not really a a, a um, New Year's resolution guy, but I am going to try and figure out what all our podcast names actually mean. So. All
1: right, you that's, you that's you, you get back to me when you do. <laughs>
0: Yeah, because I know that you've been on it too. So, um, all right, I think that's it. That's what we're gonna we're gonna wrap this up. Do you yeah, I've, I've had I'm enough gonna... of you.
1: I'll be honest. That's <laughs> Yeah, about well,
0: and you got a you got a nap ahead of you. Um, I do know though, i want to give a little teaser here, Uh-oh. and I know all the details haven't been worked out. Actually, you and Craig got to work out a time that we can actually do this. But we're gonna do a rare pod crossover uh Ooh. as part of our midseason blitz we're going to be taking a lot of a, a, a long deep look at where everyone's at in terms of the midpoint of the NHL season and uh, so we're going to be doing that with uh, Craig Custance so that's uh, that's exciting that's
1: like uh, that's like when the exciting. that's like when the different law and order shows crossed over on each other or csi's over the years right i mean that's always <laughs> intriguing
0: Honestly, I've been looking. I'm going to use this next week. You stole my thunder. But I was looking at some of the famous crossovers uh, from television history and, uh, yeah, the Law and Order ones. Uh, Remember when Jack Bauer from 24 appeared on The Simpsons? Uh, Kiefer Sutherland was on The Simpsons. I I, I
1: don't know that that's considered a crossover, buddy. I think that's more of an appearance. I think technically it is.
0: Okay. Well, (laughs) because... (laughs) <laughs> it's like because you and i are sort of cartoon characters and craig is a real person so yeah. i don't know maybe that's thing. yeah anyway I, I i wish you the happiest of new years my friend and it's always a pleasure to uh, catch up with you and uh, we'll do it again next week
1: right on right on it'll be 2020 when we reunite my friend